read this past week about a surgeon who worked in a large city, a large hospital in a large city, and he had an outstanding reputation as a surgeon, and he had one particular habit of spending a few moments alone before performing a surgery. He would always insist on spending a few moments alone before he would uh, perform an operation. And a younger doctor noticed this, heard about this, and began to wonder if his time alone before the surgery correlated with his success in the surgery. And so he ultimately went to this older surgeon and he asked him that question. And the older surgeon said, absolutely yes. Before I perform an operation, I ask the great physician to guide my hands in their work. He said, there's been times in surgery where I didn't know what to do next, but God has always guided me in those times. He said, I wouldn't even consider performing an operation without first asking for God's help. This surgeon's reputation spread throughout the hospital, the city, the state, and the region where he was located as he became famous for being known as the surgeon who works with God. Prayer helps us work with God. Prayer helps us draw near to God. Prayer helps us focus on God. Prayer helps us trust in God. The simple truth of the matter is prayer works. Amen? Prayer works. Tell your neighbor prayer works. Prayer works. And we know this, and we see this all throughout God's Word. And so if you have your Word with you, and I hope you do this morning, open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We are continuing it in our sermon series titled, What Did Jesus Say? In this series, we are looking at some of the teachings of Jesus found recorded for us in the Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As Christ followers, we all understand this simple reality. We are called to teach others to obey everything Jesus commanded us in his word, which means we must seek to obey everything Jesus commanded us in his word. We cannot teach what we do not know. Thankfully, God's Holy Spirit in us empowers us to obey and follow Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. He is teaching and encouraging and challenging his disciples and followers and sharing with them what it looks like to follow him by faith, what it means to follow me. He had commanded them to repent, to follow me, and now he's sharing with them in a little clearer way what it means to follow him. And in this sermon and beyond after the sermon, but certainly in the sermon, Jesus identified some habits, some disciplines that he wants all of his disciples and followers to develop in their lives. One of the most important disciplines is prayer. Prayer 
was a must for Jesus, prayer is a must for us. We have the joy and privilege to talk with God anytime, anywhere, for as long as we want. And that's an awesome privilege for you and me. When we pray, we also know God hears and answers our prayers because God told us he hears and answers our prayers. The Lord said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and wondrous things you do not know. So the more we pray, the more God answers our prayers. As we keep praying, God will keep on answering. And so we see here in this passage before us, Jesus gave us a primer on prayer. Jesus gave us a command to pray in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this is a command from Jesus to you and me to pray every day. This prayer is often called the Lord's Prayer. And we see in this prayer, Jesus is encouraging us to pray. Jesus gave us this prayer as a guide to teach us to pray. Jesus gave us this prayer as a guide to encourage us to pray. Jesus gave us this prayer as a guide to use to help us help others to pray. And as we look at this, we need to make sure that we understand from the beginning, this prayer is not some magic formula to get whatever we want from God. That's not what this prayer is about. This prayer is designed to help us to communicate with God. And so we join together Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. Matthew records Jesus' teaching and specifically Jesus' words to us about prayer. He said in verse 9, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Almighty God, I pray right now that as we seek to understand your truth for our lives, Father, we recognize that the only way that's going to happen is if you speak to us by your Holy Spirit in us. God, I pray that you would make your word come alive to us this morning. God, I pray that you would make your word come alive in us this morning. Father God, we desperately need to hear from you. Uh, We need to be changed by you. Father God, we long to be more like Jesus as we leave this place than when we came into this place. And so, Father, what's going to happen now is we are going to humbly sit and we're going to listen to you as you speak to us by your Holy Spirit as he teaches us the truth of your word. And then, God, we're going to ask that you would give us the courage and the strength uh, to make the changes you're going to ask us to make so that we can continue doing what you're going to ask us to do. Father God, we thank you so much for this privilege that we have to be together as a family, uh, gathered around your word, uh, seeking your face. And so, Father, we ask that you would now speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I want you to see a couple of points here uh, as we dive into this passage. The first point I want you to see is Jesus taught us to pray with humility. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray with humility in this prayer. Uh, We can call God our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, because we have a relationship with God by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ alone. Jesus, therefore, encouraged us in this passage that we're to pray for God's name to be honored, we're to pray for God's kingdom to come, we're to pray for God's will to be done, because those requests are best for us and everyone around us. Jesus also taught us to pray for help. He said, pray for God's provision of your needs. He said, give us today our daily bread. We're to pray and ask God day by day to meet our needs for that day, which he promises in his word that he will do. We see that Jesus taught us to pray for God's pardon of our sins. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We are to pray each day and ask God to forgive us of the sins that we commit against him as we are forgiving others of the sins that they commit against us. We seek God's forgiveness and we show God's forgiveness and these are intertwined. These go together, almost two sides of the same coin. We need that forgiveness from God. We need to show that forgiveness to others that we receive from God ourselves. Jesus also taught us to pray for God's protection. This is the request I want us to focus on this morning. I want us to specifically look at this request this morning. Jesus asked us, he taught us, he commanded us to pray for God's protection. I believe for the most part, we are good at praying for God's provision of our needs. I believe for the most part, we are good at praying for God's pardon of our sins. However, at times, I believe we are not as good, we are not as committed, we're not as focused on praying for God's protection, specifically God's protection of us in a spiritual sense. Jesus taught us to ask God to protect us spiritually from temptation, from sin, and from the evil one, Satan. And so I want us to look at a few reasons why this is so important for us. I want to look at a few reasons why it's important for us to pray for God's protection in this way. It's in the scripture. It's in the word. God has brought us together as brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can understand this truth this morning. And so we obviously need to dive into this truth and begin to get a better understanding of why it's important to ask for God's protection. We know it's important to ask for God's provision because we need uh, our daily uh, needs to be met so that we can do what God calls us to do each day. We know it's vitally important for us to pray for God's pardon, his forgiveness of our sins, because we can't go with God uh, forward without that. And so we also understand and realize it's important for us to pray for God's protection as well. A few, way, a few reasons for this. Number one, we need to pray for God's protection because we have an enemy. We have an enemy. We need God's protection because Satan is our enemy. 
Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the evil one that Jesus referred to here in this verse. Satan is biblically called the ruler of this world, world being defined as those who do not have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus, those who are living in rebellion against God and in opposition to God. We need God's protection because we have an enemy and his name is Satan. It's not the person sitting to your right or to your left. It's not the one that you share a house with. It's not the one that you share a workspace with. We have an enemy, and that enemy is Satan. Scripture tells us that God loves us, that God is at work in us, that God is transforming us day by day, moment by moment, step by step, into the likeness, into the image of of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. He's conforming us into the image of Christ. Scripture tells us that God is working in us. He's working in us right now, enabling us both to will and to act according to his good purpose. That means God is working in us right now, right in these very moments, as he continues doing throughout our day, throughout our weeks. He is working in us and he is giving us the desire and the strength to do what he asks us to do, to do what he wants us to do. That desire to walk with the Lord comes from the Lord. That strength to do what the Lord asks us to do comes from the Lord. God is working in us by his Holy Spirit in us. And so we see, according to Scripture, and there's many other Scriptures that we can share about God's work in our lives, we know that we have new life by faith in Jesus. We have abundant life by faith in Jesus. We have the blessed life by faith in Jesus. We have eternal life with God by faith in Jesus. Scripture also tells us that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He's a thief. He's the tempter. He's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy us, our walk with God, our worship of God, our witness for God. Scripture identifies for us that Satan is at work on us. God's at work in us by his Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. God's at work in us. Satan is at work on us. And he is trying to undo all that God is doing in us and through us and around us. Satan is at work on us trying to turn us away from God and trying to turn us towards temptation and ultimately into sin and destruction. And so we understand and realize Satan wants to lead us to sin, evil, and destruction. Peter talked about this. And Peter told us in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 uh, that we are to be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Be sober, be on the alert are urgent commands. They're aorist imperatives. They're urgent commands for us to obey now, today, every day. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be clear-minded. We need to have our heads up and our eyes open spiritually. We need to be on the alert. Why? Because we have an enemy, Satan, who is prowling around us like a roaring lion. That means he watches us and he waits for us and he watches and waits for just the right time to try to lure us 
to try to entice us away from God and into sin. And so we need to understand this truth. We need to be reminded of this truth. We need to be reminded of this truth when we are on those mountaintops with the Father and our walk with the Lord. When we're experiencing His blessings in amazing ways. We need to be reminded of this truth when we're in the valleys dealing with difficulties and trials and challenges. We need to be reminded of this truth at every point and step in between. Our enemy never stops. He is relentless. And we need God's protection so that we don't give in to our enemy's tactics and temptations. So we know we need God's protection. We need to ask for his protection. Jesus said, pray, do not bring us into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. We need to pray for God's protection because we have an enemy. Secondly, we need to pray for God's protection because temptation is coming our way. Satan is a master at temptation, and temptation is coming our way. Understand the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in our minds. Satan bombards our minds with his lies, accusations, doubts, and temptations on a daily basis designed to lead us away from God and into sin. He's constantly trying to lead us away from God into sin. And he bombards our minds with his lies, with his accusations, with his temptations, with his doubts. Which is why we need to fill our minds with God's truth. It's so vitally important for us to fill our minds with God's truth. So that we can resist our enemy's temptations. The truth of God's word crushes the lies of the enemy. And we see this at play, obviously, the fantastic example of Jesus himself in the wilderness. Satan tempted Jesus three times when he was in the wilderness. After Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights with his father God in the wilderness, do you think that was a coincidence that the temptations came after the 40 days and 40 nights? No. After the 40 days and 40 nights. He tempted him three times. Jesus responded to each temptation by quoting Old Testament scripture. And we know that Matthew recorded for us that Satan left him. He left. He couldn't stand up to the truth of God's word. And so we understand and realize the more we know and obey God's word, the better we will be at resisting temptation. As the psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart, God, so that I might not sin against you. And so we need to hide this word in our heart. So let me give you a couple of key points that relates to this issue of temptation. Number one, God doesn't tempt us. Number one, God does not tempt us. In James chapter one, in verse 13, it'll be on the screen. You can uh, write that address down if you're taking notes. James chapter one, verse 13, James told us, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, And he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Read that last phrase with me. And he himself doesn't tempt anyone. God, understand, tests and tries our faith to grow and strengthen our faith. Satan tempts us in our trials and tests to destroy our faith. So when we pray as Jesus is calling us to pray. 
When we pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are praying, Father God, I ask for you to protect me from Satan. I ask you to protect me from sin. I ask you to protect me from temptation. I ask you to protect me from me in the battle of spiritual warfare. Father, I pray that you would help keep me safe in the battle of spiritual warfare. Father, as I walk through this trial, as I walk through this time of testing, help me to keep my eyes on Jesus. Help me to stay focused on you. Help me not to take the easy way out and to turn away and in pride think I can handle it better than you can. Help me not to get impatient in the midst of my trial and turn away and think that I can handle it better than you can. Help me not to give in to fear in the midst of my trial and think you've forgotten about me and try to handle it the way I think I need to handle it. Keep me safe from temptation. Keep me focused on the Savior Jesus. Keep me safe from me, Father. Help me to steer clear of me. And so we see temptations coming our way, but understand and realize it's vitally important to be reminded of these truths. God doesn't tempt us. Truth, key truth number two, key point number two, We must not lead ourselves into temptation. We must not lead ourselves into temptation. Listen, we all understand this. Satan is really good at temptation and he doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. He's great at it. Now, he'll accept our help and he certainly is encouraging us to help, but he doesn't need our help. So we must be careful not to lead ourselves into temptation. And we lead ourselves into temptation when we make certain decisions. We lead ourselves into temptation, for example, when we choose not to flee from temptation. We make a huge mistake when we decide that we're going to toy with temptation. And we decide that we're strong enough, we can handle it, and so we're going to play around with temptation. We're going to see how close we can get to the sin without actually giving in. We make a huge mistake when we choose not to flee from temptation. You see, Scripture says, flee from idolatry, flee from sexual immorality, flee from the love of money. Flee from materialism. Flee from the evil, sinful desires of youth. Flee from sin. Abstain from sin. Abstain from the sinful desire, from the sinful, evil desires that lie within us. You see, the scripture says the same thing over and over again. Run, run, run from sin. Run. Get away from sin. And we lead ourselves into temptation. When we choose not to flee from temptation, when we choose not to pull away from those conversations that we know aren't pleasing, when we choose not to turn off that computer, get off that site, get away from our phone, when we know we desperately need to, We lead ourselves into temptation when we don't 
flee from that temptation. Secondly, we lead ourselves into temptation when we choose not to spend time with God. We put ourselves in spiritual danger. We move ourselves closer and closer to spiritual peril when we choose not to spend time with God in his word, in prayer, and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We lead ourselves into temptation when we choose to fill our minds with the thoughts of this world rather than the truth of the word. When we pull back in our time with God on a day-by-day basis, when we choose not to spend that time with God, we put ourselves in spiritual danger. We bring ourselves and we lead ourselves closer and closer and closer to temptation. It's easy to do. We have a lot going on in our lives. Our children are going here, there, and everywhere, going to school. We've got to get to work. We've got all these things that we've got to do. And it's easy if we're not careful to get up and move forward and go throughout the day. And then when we get to the end of the day, we've not spent that time with the Father. Maybe we've said, please help me in this or that. But then when we get time to the end, we're like, okay, we'll spend time with the Father before we go to sleep. And then we fall asleep with our head in the Scriptures, which I guess isn't that bad of a situation. As long as you've read them before, you're sleeping on them. And so we understand it's easy to do. That's why we must be careful. It's like the one guy who said, when I fail to spend time with God one day, I know it. When I fail to spend time with God two days, my family knows it. And when I fail to spend time with God three days, everyone knows it. And we have to understand and realize we lead ourselves into temptation when we're choosing not to flee from temptation, when we're choosing not to spend time with God. We lead ourselves into temptation when we choose not to confess our sins. Sin is out of place in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, and we know that God convicts us of our sins because he wants us to confess our sins. He wants us to get them out. Listen, when we harbor sin in our lives, that's uh, not... A positive thing for us as Christ followers. Sin spreads in us and through us. Sin hardens us. Sin will always take us down. The slippery slope of sin always leads us down away from the Father. And so we understand and realize how important it is for us to pray for God's protection. We've got an enemy. We know temptation is coming our way. And we need to pray for God's protection because we need God's help to live God's way. We cannot resist temptation in our own strength and wisdom. We're not strong enough. We can't do this day after day after day. We're much like Peter, James, and John when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. Jesus asked them to pray for him as he went a little bit further and he prayed to the Father before going to the cross and he came back and they were sleeping. And Jesus said to them, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Have great desires, guys, but you're very poor on carry through. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh your flesh is weak. And so we need to ask for God's protection because we need his help to live his way. Now, we get God's help in multiple ways. Let me just give you a few. We get God's help as we admit we are weak. Humility is a must for us. As George preached in such a great way last Sunday about humility and service. Humility is a must for us. James told us in James 4 and verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord so that he may exalt you. Peter agreed with him and said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. So we now would understand 
it's important for us to humble ourselves before the Father, to bring ourselves low, to admit our weakness, to admit our need for the Father, to admit our need for His protection. James and Peter also in that same passage in James chapter 4 and in 1 Peter chapter 5, they quoted Solomon from the Old Testament scriptures in the book of Proverbs where Solomon said, God opposes, God resists the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. And so we understand and realize that we are weak, but He is strong. And God is more than ready and able to help us resist temptation. Prayer is actually evidence of humility. It's a way in which we admit our weakness to God and ask for help from God. And so we receive God's help as we admit our weakness, as we admit, God, I am not going to be able to make it through the day without your help. I'm not going to be able to make it through the day in my battle of spiritual warfare. I'm not going to be able to make it through today in my battle against temptation and, and the lies and the doubts of the enemy that he keeps bombarding my mind with without your help, without your protection. God, I desperately need you. Father God, I humble myself before you. I cry out to you. I ask for your help because you, Father God, are strong. And God, I trust and know that as I trust in you, as I lean on you, as I think about you in all my ways, you will make my paths straight. We admit we're weak. We receive God's help. We receive help from God as we confess our sins. Understand and realize that we need to admit our weakness. And as we do, we need to confess our sins. Sin is out of place in our lives as Christ followers. We cannot continue living in sin and growing in our faith in God. So many times folks ask, well, can we continue growing in our faith in God when we harbor this sin, or we hold on to that sin? The answer is no. When we are living in sin, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, we cannot harbor that sin. We cannot continue in that sin, while at the same point in time, continue growing in our faith in God and our passion and love for the Savior Jesus. When we give in to temptation, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, when the sin that so easily entangles, as a writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, is entangling us, then we are out of fellowship with God. We are not focused on pleasing God. We are not necessarily interested in the things of God. We are hurting our witness for God. And we're missing out on the blessings of God. We cannot actively live in sin. We cannot actively harbor unconfessed sin when the Holy Spirit is convicting us of the sin in our lives and we choose to resist that conviction and we harbor that sin and then we think we can continue growing in our faith in Christ Jesus. That's not happening. Psalmist even said, if I have regarded iniquity, if I kept and cherished sin in my life, the Lord wouldn't listen to my prayer. And we are out of fellowship with God at that moment when, when we're choosing not to confess our sins to God, when we're living in sin. David, our Old Testament friend, shared about this. In, da- in, in Psalm chapter 32, beginning verse 3, David was sharing about that time where he was living in sin. He had that unconfessed sin in his life through his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. And he said in verse 3, as he was looking back and describing this time, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you took away the guilt of my sin. Took it away. Listen, sin is enjoyable for a moment, but that moment passes quickly. 
Confession of sin is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, and the way you can tell if you do is if the Holy Spirit of God is absolutely sharply convicting you right now, and you know it when he does. We know it. If you have unconfessed sin, if you've given into temptation, if, if the sin that so easily entangles you is entangling you, this morning, and confess those sins to the Father. John told us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. David would agree. He's righteous. He's faithful. He's just. He will forgive us and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us the sin. He takes away the guilt of the sin, and he restores us to our relationship with the Father. See, we receive God's help, and we need his help. We need his protection. We receive his help as we admit we're weak, as we confess our sins, but then as we follow his way of escape. We must follow his way of escape. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's a fantastic verse. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. The apostle Paul shared these words. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. He'll not allow you. To be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, it will provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Paul reminded us, reminded us that temptation is common, temptation is coming, and God's a faithful God. And so we understand and realize we need to pray for God's protection because we need his help to live his way. That means we're going to need to admit we're weak. We're going to continue, we're going to need to confess our sins on a daily basis. And then when those temptations come, because they're going to continue to come, We need to follow his way of escape. Paul told us God gives us a way of escape out of every temptation we face. There is not one temptation that you or I will ever face that God will not give us an escape route out of it. There's not one. God's escape route may be running as fast and as far as you possibly can which we saw with the example of Joseph. God's escape route may be memorizing and quoting scripture in the face of temptation, which we saw with the example of Jesus. God's escape route may be persistent, passionate prayer, which we saw with the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the church of Jerusalem as they were praying all night long for Peter who was in prison sleeping waiting to be brought out the next morning to be executed for his faith and trust in Jesus for preaching the truth about Jesus. God's escape route may be encouragement from a brother or sister in Christ Jesus which we saw with the example of Peter and John as they encouraged one another to continue preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel, to continue preaching and teaching Jesus Christ crucified, buried, risen, and exalted when they were being threatened by the religious leaders to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, when they were being beaten by the religious leaders, by the authorities for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, and yet they encouraged one another by their faithfulness to the word, and they followed God's way of escape out, which was through their encouragement from one another. God's escape route may be 
just simply walking in obedience to him through the trial or test that you are in currently, that you have been waiting and waiting and waiting for God's answer, that you have continued to wait and to seek the Father for his answer in that area of your life. It may simply be obedience to God through that trial, which we saw with the example of Noah and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Elijah and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Joseph and Mary and Peter and Paul and so many others in God's word. You see, what we need to understand and realize is God is with us, that God loves us, and God is faithful to us. He provides us an escape route out of every temptation. We must follow his escape route out of those times of temptation. He'll highlight it. He'll empower us to take that way of escape out. All he wants us to do is follow him by faith. And to take that escape out of our temptation. So to continue seeking him and growing in our faith in him. If you do not have a relationship with God by faith in his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you. God's escape route out of sin Scripture says that we're dead in our sins and transgressions apart from faith in Jesus. God's escape route out of sin for you is to receive his gift of salvation, love, and life by repenting of your sins, confessing them to God, and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I want to encourage and challenge you to make that decision this morning. Say yes to Jesus. Followers of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, if you have given in to temptation, if you're in the depths of temptation and sin currently, if you are entangled in sin, then I want to challenge and encourage you to confess those sins to God, to fall before him, to confess those sins to God so that he might forgive you and cleanse you and take away the guilt of your sin. And then I want to encourage us as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, as we see so often in the scriptures to encourage one another this morning, to bless one another this morning. I want to encourage us to pray with and for one another this morning. And I want us to specifically take time to pray for one another that God would protect us this day and this week from sin, from temptation, and from the evil one, Satan. From ourselves so that we won't turn away from the Father and turn into sin. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's going to come.